0: Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once and Future Author Podcast. I'm Stephanie and I'm so delighted to be joined today by author Beth Bruce. You're going to love hearing about her story and how Elf Sparkle came to life. We have her here with Elf Sparkle and the special red dress and Elf Sparkle meets Christmas the horse two fabulous Christmas books, but they are so much more than books. And there's a whole, I mean, lovely evolution to how they came about and where you can even consider marketing children's books yourself.
1: So, Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and and thank you for asking me. Oh, my gosh. Well, when I saw Elf Sparkle, I had to have you
0: on the show. (laughs) (laughs) You have to take me back to how did Elf Sparkle, you know, become a thing? Was was she a dream?
1: Is she a real person? (laughs) Well, she is a real person and it's me. (laughs) But, you know, to back up further, it it started with um, a... Idea with the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, which is in Northeast Ohio, uh, and it started with a park ranger. Call her name was Karen Kopchik she still works there. Um, we had an idea that the railroad that runs through the park, the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad, would uh, benefit from possibly doing a Polar Express program. Well. No one on the train, they're conductors and you know, they're technical people, so they really had no, but they loved the uh profitability of uh, (laughs) potential of doing a Polar Express program. So Karen and I found out, well, more like I found out about the licensing issues and what that uh, cost. Uh, Would look like, and then what it would take to recruit volunteers. Uh, The um, the railroad and the park already had a volunteer uh, pool, so that made it a little easier. And within three months, we had the Polar Express pulled together. Uh, The one thing we knew we would be reading the Polar Express, uh, and the volunteers would be reading the polar express however none of them knew how to really be an elf and none of them had the imagination to be an elf and make it fun Uh, we ran through several readings you know beta testing with people to uh, see the reaction and they all said the same that is boring we are not doing this unless it's fun and, of course, everyone goes, "Can they do the flips down the aisle like on the polar Express? Well, we knew that wasn't going to happen uh so um uh, Karen had the idea to have um illustrations done you know off of what the book was, so the volunteers could walk up and down. Uh, somehow she handed being the elf to me. So uh, it was training the elves to be fun, to sing Christmas carols, to, you know, have games. And how I became Elf Sparkle was, um, you know, most men won't wear glitter, (laughs) no matter what. So we came up with a game. You had to you know, guess like who starred in the 1934, you know, Christmas Carol. And so, of course, no man that I've ever met knows the answer to that. So they would miss it. And we'd go from person to person, but they, whoever missed, had to wear glitter. I had glitter, the cream glitter. Mm-hmm. And I would all over them. And, oh, the kids were just having a blast with it and And so it made it more and more fun. And so, of course, I became known as Elf Sparkle. So I embraced that. And um, I volunteered for three or four years till I knew that it was going to go well. And then I moved away uh, for my real job. And And that's how Elf Sparkle was born. And to this date, the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad still run the Polar Express program. Um, So uh, I will say that how we started this is what turned into a snowball of things. Um, The park approached me and asked if I would be interested in, in doing a... Uh, Elf Sparkle animated film. And I was like, um, <laughs> well, because they knew I did computers, but I mean, I didn't do animation, and they didn't understand those were two different things. So I helped them understand it. I developed a proof of concept for them, um, which they loved. And then we decided together that we would go to Hollywood and recruit voiceover talent there as well as um, go to Nashville and have top quality Grammy and double award winning artists do the music. So that's how we did it. That's how it began um, it it just was a lot of fun and from there i wrote books as companions for the uh for the films too so in a quick summary that's a, that's how elf sparkle was birthed
0: wow so elf sparkle started with a railroad going through a national park and i yep. did turn that into the polar express to make some money <laughs> a whole yes. bunch of volunteers who were lousy elves so they needed <laughs> a head elf, shall we yes. say. And the head elf became Elf Sparkle, who ended up with an animated film series. And then, duh, I guess we should write the book. Yes. <laughs> so we did it <laughs>
1: all backwards.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness.
1: Here I was. It was so uh, much fun, Stephanie, doing the uh, Elf Sparkle. I mean, we, our Santa was uh, and is John Delancey, who uh, any Star Trek fan will know he is Q from Star Trek. Oh, um, oh. I know. And then uh, Elf Snow Dorable is Catherine Hicks. And most everybody would recognize Catherine uh, as the mom from Seventh Heaven. She also was in the Star Trek IV movie. Oh, uh, and so she was a Trekkie as well. Um, and then Rob Schneider. I mean, Rob Schneider's Rob Schneider. so uh, he he was a blast. He kind of held everything together uh, while we were laying down uh, the well, recording the voices. we call it laying down the oh. voices. And uh, uh, at one point, he was waiting his turn to go into the studio booth, and he came with his people, his entourage, oh. and said, yeah his he had a big one too and he jumped on the couch literally jumped standing up on the couch and asked is this the director's couch and I was like uh, uh, uh yeah it is and so he sat down and put his arm around me I mean and this is all on fun he wasn't <laughs> so neither was I However, I was sitting there doing the mounds of SAG paperwork And so I shut my folder and I put it on his lap and I said, let me know when you're done with this. He goes, what is it? I said, the SAG paperwork. Remember you're on the director's couch. (laughs) He laughed and we all laughed. So, and then the other type of personality we had was Rance Howard, Ronnie Howard's dad. And he just, he knew how to soothe ruffled feathers, and everybody wanted to be his friend. So uh, I, so we had a wide variety of personalities, from Angela Cartwright, Lost in Space, to, you know, Rob and, and the A-listers. And, you know, for the most part, I think actors get a bad rap, because most of them, you Know most everyone I knew at the railroad thought they they would call them Hollyweird people, and I was like, Oh, don't say that out loud to anybody, okay? Um, so you know, and having Hollywood as a following, um, surely helps you because Stephanie, as I've heard you say before, it's about perception, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> they surely had a great time laying the voiceovers down, and uh, some of them didn't know each other. However, I would say 70% of them I didn't know were Trekkies. They had done something with Star Trek, so, um, you know, I loved it. I'm a closet Trekkie, so I loved it. (laughs) okay. You know,
0: you and I have so much in common. I'm I'm a big Star Trek fan, and and you and I have national parks in common, too. So uh...
1: Yes, so it, it... it's all worked out. You know, I, it didn't happen as, you know, your dreams do not always happen when you think they should happen. They happen when they're supposed to happen. And, you know, it's about being persistent and being patient and never giving up on your dreams. So a couple of times I wanted to throw in the towel, but, um, you know, fortunately I have a great support system that says, no, you're not giving up on that drain. And so here we are today talking about it.
0: Oh my gosh. What, what an inspiration you are to so many people. And and what a different way of going about this. You know, as you said, most people start with the book. And yes hopefully end up with the animated film series you started with the film series and went backwards
1: (laughs) right and it it, you know and I have to say that you know I wrote the screenplays that was a breeze I thought the, the screenplay because I could picture each person in my mind who I wanted to play as I was writing so it was Super easy. Then I did the book. That was not super easy for me because I I didn't want to give up any of the words I wrote in the screenplay. So uh, it, it, um, it took, oh, three tries for Christmas the horse. I'd write it and then throw it away. Then I'd write it and then I'd throw it away the entire thing and start over. So, you know, it's, it took a lot of patience to, to get through, um, Uh, giving up some of the stuff I wanted in there
0: oh you know you know that I love that you just said that because so often people think that what they write first for one thing they put a lot of pressure on themselves that they expect that it must be perfect and certainly not only does it not have to be perfect quite honestly it probably isn't Perfect.
1: Well, it, it now this was not my first children's books I had wrote. i had wrote uh, Winter Birds of Christmas and Funny Elmer and Everett Covered Bridge. Again, Everett Covered Bridge is in the park, so I, I kind of have a park theme going. But the um, it's just about I don't worry about grammar, I don't worry about sentence structure, I don't worry about any of that. I just write. And then I put it down for three days. I walk away. Then I come back and go, oh, my God, some gremlin must have wrote this. It couldn't have been me. <laughs> and I throw it away. Start over. And then I come back, and I was like, who changed this? <laughs> and so I throw it away and come back. And, you know, usually the third try, at least there's some of it, I I manage to keep.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's a great, And that's great advice for writers out there is, get it out get it out on the page just dump it out and then step away it's a great Mm -hmm. process and then go back throw throw it away right step away go back you know again not expecting that the first time is
1: perfect and sometimes the best thing we could do with our our artists throw it away and start again Don't be, you know, you got to laugh about it. That's why I say, oh God, a gremlin must've came in or, you know, or the Pukwungi was at it again. So, you know, you just make fun and throw it away and have fun writing a second time, knowing that, you know, this probably isn't going to be it either, but at least I'm getting all the crap out of the way first.
0: So <laughs> so Beth, how long have you been writing? Because you, you, you named off a, a whole handful of other books uh, when did you first start? Were you like two and you were writing books? <laughs> no.
1: Actually, you know, I'm I I am a computer scientist by trade. Uh so um I never thought I was good at writing except for technical manuals. <laughs> oh my and gosh. Now two manuals. So I never thought anything. But in two thousand after my polar er, after I did the films for the Polar Express, uh, Karen Kopchak said, hey, why don't you write a book on the Everett Cover Bridge so we can carry in our store? And I was like, in your store? Who goes in that store? And she's like, 2.2 uh, 2 million people? And I was like, and, the, and the, I mean, I was speechless. I think it took the wind out of me when she said that. And I was like, you'd carry my book in there? And I said, how come you're not carrying my films in there? And she goes, we, well, we didn't know that you had a mass produced. We knew, you know, they were going on television. So we just figured you you couldn't, you know, you didn't have the license. I said, really, you think I'd give up the license for for my work? No. And so, um, so anyway, so in 2007, um, I wrote Everett Covered Bridge. And uh, about a little boy in a family of great blue herrings that they, befriended and uh so that that was kind of fun and then my um my how was it was it uh, somehow i learned about uh a family member that had um a pig farm and i was like we i have a family member that had a pig farm and so um and they had a prized pig that thought it was a dog and his name was Elmer, and so uh, I heard the whole story, and I thought, oh, I'm doing a book about funny Elmer, so I then wrote a book about a pig, a banded pig who thought he was a dog, and uh, put that out there, too, so a funny Elmer, and then um, Winter Birds of Christmas is really uh, a takeoff uh, for the Elf Sparkle, the Christmas series. Um, While it's Elf Sophia, who is also in the Elf Sparkle series, it just, you know, picks up where uh, Santa loves the creatures of the forest and does Christmas for them too. So that's, and then I didn't do not another thing until 2010 and that is when um, I kind of had a surgical accident. And I couldn't work, and so while I'm waiting to get well, I started writing other books. And I wrote. My dad called and said, "I'm having so many teeth issues. I'm going to have, to have some pulled." And I was like, "Well, I'm in the hospital. I can't help you." And so, but then my uh, I have a twin. She um well, she has pugs, and she's the head of the pug rescue for Houston. At any rate, she says, "Oh, I just had all my pugs' teeth pulled," and I said wow, I, I think somebody's telling me to write a book about a tooth fairy or something. And so my sister said, you better write about a pug tooth fairy. And I said, a pug tooth fairy. Oh, that's, clever. <laughs> that's super clever. And she goes, so she was talking, I said, you know, dad's having teeth problems too. And she goes, really? She goes, well, you should name it after him. And she goes, Jimmy Paul, the pug tooth fairy. And I was like, Oh my God! <laughs> so I wrote Jimmy Paul the Pug Too Fairy, and and that book is also a film. And um, fortunately, I wrote the book first, and then I did the film. And it um, I used mostly Hollywood, Southern Gospel, award-winning, you know, people, and um, I mean, we had a singing bulldog who was Ian Owens with Ernie Haas signature sound. And Was with the Imperials, and actually, the baritone singer for the Imperials wrote the theme music for uh, Jimmy Paul the Pug Tooth Fairy. So um, that was a lot of fun to write, and and my dad gets a kick out of it that he has a a movie named after him. But anyway, uh, so you know, that inspired me to write more books. And so, you know, since then, I, you know, somehow I always bring it back to people I know or relatives. So I wrote uh, grandma Mabel rescues Pearl and grandma Mabel is my true grandma Mabel and Pearl was my other grandma's sister. So, um, and, and uh, grandma Mabel is a beaver and, and a pearl is a great blue herring. And, um, uh, you know, she, she rescues her from her feet being caught in the branches at Beaver Marsh in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So uh once again I brought the park into it and and thank goodness no one objected to me using family members. Um so I wrote that and then I circled back to Elf Sparkle again and did uh, Santa's lost keys. And then let's see what did I write? Um boy, I can't remember. Oh I used somebody I went to school with, uh Dave Grocott. We I was born and raised on a horse farm, so uh, we had a pony that had a colt that was obnoxious, to say the least, and my dad named him Firecracker and couldn't wait to get rid of him, and so um, he went to a friend of ours that I went to school with, a classmate, and, you know, they had patience and broke him. He was still ornery, but he used to grab their um, their hoodies, their hoodie shirts, and pull them back into the water barrel every time they were filling the water barrel he'd pull them back and plop they'd go in the, so uh i had seen um dave grocott and he said remember firecracker ah i think i'm gonna write a book about firecracker and that's what i did wow. so you know, a lot of the books are people i know and you know and it how it relates to the park right very cool boy i love
0: the way You write for opportunity, you know, and again, so many people, um, write and then look for opportunity Uh and it actually sounds like you're going a much in the opposite direction. You're looking for the window.
1: Yes. Writing
0: the book for that.
1: Well, that. And this is a job. People need to think of this as a job. And so you need to do your homework up front. Is there a place for this? Um, Is it going to sell? And, you know, that's why I center nearly all my books in the park, because 2.2 million go through that bookstore. So, you know, that's why I do that. And, yes, there are tons of opportunities to make your book into a film, hopefully that's the way it goes (laughs) film after the book. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there are so many independent markets for your film that you can make money on and bookstores because, because obviously now they carry my films. So, um, you just, you have to be smart about this. It's great, great for passion. I mean, that's awesome because I'm passionate about the, um, my Bigfoot series, but it's also a folklore for Northeast Ohio for the, um, uh, it's called the Peninsula Python, the, uh, the, um, they call them the hairy people, but you know, obviously Bigfoot in the Ohio grass man. And then also the Puponji, which is a, don't laugh now, a porcupine. man, And so, but I have a great outlet. That you know, it, since everything's in the park, they carry my book, and so uh, I guess I, I. You're right. I'm opportunistic, and I know that I'm going to have sales.
0: I think that that's absolutely fabulous, and I love that you're speaking from that point. You know, I mean, you know me. I'm besides being a publisher, I'm a, a professor of business and marketing. So you're really looking at it in that business marketing sense, looking for the market first and then writing what's going to fit
1: there and yeah. how refreshing to hear that <laughs> well, and i have to say that i do a podcast on the crooked river radio network which is a local radio station here um, in northeast ohio and we talk about the folklore and <laughs> you wouldn't believe the things people People call in and say amazing things. So um, she, I, that's where I learned about Cheap Squatch and the Dog Man, and, and they want me to put them in my books. So, you know, it's getting the word out more about your book series and, you know, hopefully inspiring your thoughts for writing, you know, about some of the things you're hearing from people.
0: Right, oh, fantastic! Great, great view. So we've got all these children's books. We have films. I mean, I'm afraid of what's coming next. You're going to be an astronaut and shoot off these books into space. What? <laughs>
1: uh, no, but I used to work for them. <laughs> so, really,
0: uh, Oh my gosh! Uh,
1: yes. Uh, so um, you, work
0: you know, for oh, well, no yes. wonder
1: you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> Johnson Space Center. So, um, but uh, doing algorithm studies. So, you know, I happen to love math and science, and I love Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica, and and I'm just a I'm just a sci-fi fan. That's that's to (laughs) it. So, my next for for me is to jump into trying my hand because I write for children's tweens and teens to try my hand at a. And a real, I call them a real big girl book. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it will be off of my Forest Guardian series. The, the last book I did was uh, the Force Guardians and the Time Grabber, where they go back in time. Um, two of the characters go back in time and they meet Bat Masterson. And uh, Bat Masterson was really saving the future for... A disaster that happened, but he loves one of the characters that went back in time. Her name was Marcia. So I'm sure they're going to have a love romance. I can feel it. Okay.
0: So we really are writing grown up books now that there's a love romance. Yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, She's coming full circle. I love that. And I love the way you (laughs) described it. As a big girl book. <laughs> girl book. <laughs> Only a children's author would ever call that a big girl book. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. Well, my goodness, the sky is the limit for you. And I and I know that I don't even have to ask you if you look to make sure there's a target market. You've done your research. You know that.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because the uh, one of the other people is um, a descendant of... Uh, Jonathan Hale who in Northeastern Ohio was the first settler so of course he was around during Bat Masterson's time and it's called Hale Farm and Village they have a big museum and I think it it gets about 800,000 people a year so yes I have a market for that one too All
0: Right, <laughs> fantastic well Beth I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on the show But especially for your inspiring and incredibly wise words, because so many people writing are putting the cart before the horse, and boy, are you making sure that you put that horse first. Absolutely. I just want to remind uh, our viewers which horse she's putting first. It is definitely (laughs) Christmas the horse. Um, You can find Elf Sparkle meets Christmas the horse. You can find Elf Sparkle and the Special Red Dress and so many other books on Amazon, on Goodreads, in a million different places by Beth, Lewis, and there's going to be so many more coming up. So you you better get started reading
1: because she is <laughs> like a
0: writing machine over here.
1: <laughs> oh, I took your uh, suggestion at heart uh, at, and listening to you on a couple podcasts on rapid fire. Oh, so yes, this. Chicks doing rapid fire. All right. I love that. She's doing rapid fire. She is ready
0: and she has got the writing chops to do it. That's for sure. Well, I can't thank you enough for your inspiration because I'm sure that there are um, authors and aspiring authors out there who are saying, Yes, yes, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. I hope so. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us and please catch up with Beth and all of her books. And happy writing to all of you. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing.